So we're going to finish looking at the last three points. And before we do that, I just I, I want to take a moment to reflect on why. Why are we doing this? What's the purpose of this training? And I, I made some comments, but I just want to make sure that we're not getting uh, too focused on the specifics and lose track of the big picture. Um, we, there's a number of reasons that we want to focus on these things. We want to train our kids in these things. Um, but let me just go to some of the, a few of the more principial, foundational things. Number one, all of these are going to relate to self-control. All of these are teaching our children how to control themselves. Okay? Now, which of you, no, no hands, which of you has a hard time paying attention during the entire sermon? I think most of us struggle with that. Most of us, yeah, Jeremy does. <laughs> All of us do. And here's the gift that we're giving our children. <clears throat> if your child, by the time they're two or, or thereabouts, is able to sit through, physically sit through the service, and then as the years go on, they're able to pay attention the whole time during the service. What benefit is it to them mentally to be able to pay attention, understand, listen to, consider a sermon when they're eight? I mean, if, you, if you've got them sitting still at two, by the time they're eight, they're able to digest and think about things that, frankly, I was not able to do until I was 13, 14, whatever. And I think most people today, it's like 18, <laughs> if then. So we're giving a gift to them. Every one of these things we're training them in, it's giving them a gift. It's helping them do something that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. Now they are able to do it on their own. Um, also, when, in all of these things that we're training them in, we're teaching them how to obey authority. We're teaching them how to submit to somebody. Any wives, any, don't raise your hand, any wives in here ever have a hard time submitting to their husband? Any husbands ever have a hard time submitting to the police officers or to the, the politicians, to the legislators? All of us do. Any, any, any of you guys ever have a hard time submitting to a boss who's a knucklehead? When you teach your children to obey you, it's not just about you but it's preparing them for real life so that they can listen to maybe their school teacher who's a little bit out there, honor them, but still be able to uh, not necessarily believe what they believe. We're teaching them to honor and, and obey their entire life. So it's not just about us. It's not just about, you know, they're inconvenient when they make noise. No, we want to train them for their sake uh, as well as our sake. Uh, one, one more note, and, and the reason why I chose the first two years. Um, computers. The difference between a hard drive and RAM. There's a massive difference between hard drive and RAM. You might have a hard drive that's terabytes now. And, and probably, you know, in five years, that's going to be obsolete. And we'll, we'll be talking about, what's the next one? Petabyte, I believe. Um, so anyway, what, you have massive amounts of information in a hard drive. You only have a small amount of information in the RAM. What's the difference? 
the, the RAM is like light years faster. The access times and the rate of transfer is just astronomically better. So here's what the computer does as it boots up. It's loading its system. It takes stuff that's stored on the hard drive and it moves it to the RAM. Now all of the important things are in the RAM so that when you open your program, it doesn't have to wait for the hard drive to access it. It's all in the RAM and now boom, it moves fast. And what does that have to do with kids? This, sorry, Adam's probably like, <laughs> the base, basic, basically, ba very basic. Uh, what does this have to do with kids? It has everything to do with the first two years of their life because the first two years of their life is their RAM. It's what they do instinctively. It's what they do without thinking. And what you can teach them in the first two years, they don't even remember. They only have the results of it. So you want to focus on those first two years because that's what's natural to them the rest of their life. And wouldn't we all love to have it be natural for us to obey on response, you know, right away? Wouldn't we love to have, uh, have it be natural for us to sit and listen to a message and just wish that our brains could do it without having to work so hard? What we do, unfortunately for, for us, what we do is we have to draw off the hard drive. We have to retrain ourselves. And man, it is difficult as a, as a say, a 30-year-old to relearn how to listen, to relearn how to obey. And that's why our lives are usually so fun. Okay. <laughs> so just a few, just a few reasons why we're, we're talking about these things, why they're important. Now, let's uh, go then to D. These are goals for the first two years of our child's life, kind of what to shoot for for their second birthday. And I say that, I know there are exceptions. There are many exceptions. This is a general, general guideline. I would, I would say, in general, your child should be able to do these things by two. You can shoot for that, and most of the time you're going to be right. There will be some children who by the time they're eight won't know it because they may have a disability. There will be some children who will get this when they're 12 months old. They're, they're exceptional in certain ways. But this is just a general something for you to think about. You guys, as individual families, you set your own goals. Nobody is coming along and telling you you have to do this, but this is something for you to consider and shoot for. Okay? So D, for your child to promptly come to you when you call them. For your child to promptly come to you when you call them. When can you start working on this? You can start working on this as soon as they're able to walk. You could try when they're able to crawl. It's a, probably gonna be a little bit easier if they can walk. Once they can comfortably walk, you can train them to come to you. How long would it take to train them? I would guess a few days. Uh, it, it does not take much as long as you're consistent with it. Now, if you try it once and don't <clears throat> return to it for a few months, it will take you many months to learn it. But if you're consistent with it for a couple of days, they'll get it. All right, how to, how to train them. <clears throat> First, and I'll repeat this for the other ones as well, practice at home before you call on them to do it in public. Always practice at home before you call on them to do it in public. 
Don't, uh, this is a very bad idea, don't press them on the point in public because you now have your own shame at stake. You're going to be embarrassed if they don't obey you. And now what happens to your emotions because of that? They're all stirred up, and now you're angry in an unrighteous way because your child's not doing what you called on them to do, and you're a little bit embarrassed that they're not obeying you. So practice it at home before you ever call on them to do it in public. All you, all you need to do to train them once they can walk <clears throat> is call their name, motion to them with your hand, say, come here, come here. First time you do this, walk over, they're, they're probably not going to come. Maybe they will come. If they do, just praise them. Oh, what a good boy. What a good girl. That was wonderful. Daddy said, come here, and you came here. Oh, I love you. Give me kisses. Praise them. Love them. If they don't, which is much more likely, walk over to them while keeping eye contact and bring them over to where you were. So you're teaching them what it means to come here. You just walk up to them, bring them over to where they are, and do that a few times until you're confident they now know what come here means. Does that make sense? You show them what it is. You're teaching them what come here means. Once you know that they understand come here, this is clicking in their head, you've got to make that judgment call that they know it. Once they know that, now call their name. Don't threaten, don't warn. If they don't come, go over and give them a pinch, a whack on the hand, go back to where you were, and call them again. <laughs> That's pretty tough. So here's the picture. You're on the couch, child's a few feet away, and you say, come, come here, and call, them, call their name so they know you're talking to them. You motion with your hand, give them a moment to process, when they don't come, walk up to them, give them a pinch or a whack on the hand, whatever you're comfortable with, and go back and sit down. Then you call them again. Now, what, what are you teaching them? You're teaching them that when you call, if they don't come, it will hurt. So you, you don't go up and bring them over to you, this common, common mistake, I said, come here, and then you bring them over and you sit them down. Now what have they learned? You'll come fetch them. And for some random reason, things hurt. <laughs> if you wanted me to come sit down, why didn't you just come to get me the, from the beginning? So you, you, you don't come get them. You go back to where you are, and then you call them over again. And you do that until they finally come. Then when they come, then you praise them, you give them hugs, you give them love, and you're reinforcing, you obeyed, Daddy, that was wonderful. You came, I called you, and you came, that was good. And they understand hardly anything you're saying, but they get the idea that it's good, that it was good. Now, once they've done that once, then you, you reinforce it, you practice it basically with them. Okay? And if you're consistent with it, they'll get that in just a matter of days, if not less. Okay? Pastor Jeremy? Two, two points. Um, one, it really helps your consistent. So it's not come here, come over here, and then some other time it's, 
um, come to daddy. It, if you want to use the same nomenclature because you're trying to teach them this command, you want them to recognize it. The same tone of voice because they're going to get a lot of stuff from the tone of voice. If you're like, come here, come here. Yeah. And other times, come here. They're going to confuse them. And when you start training this, make sure you have some time because it might take five, six, seven times the first time and you don't want to risk losing. You don't want to risk giving up and teaching them. Yeah. If they're stubborn, yeah. they can win. Good. Both, both points, very good. Always use the same nomenclature. Use the exact same phrase so that they know exactly what you mean. If you change your wording, they might be confused by something you assume everyone knows. Well, they don't know because you haven't taught them yet. And so they become confused by it. And then it's not rebellion, it's ignorance. I didn't know what you meant. And that's why I also say use your hand so they get the motion. Later on, you don't have to say anything just and th this is very nice when you can just like this and they come to you because you don't have to yell across the room it's just come here and they know what that means uh, and then the second point was uh, what sorry oh yeah make sure you have enough time make sure you do not just say oh hey I think I'm gonna do this and you have to leave in 10 minutes that's a really bad idea. So do it deliberately. Know that you're going to have enough time to work through it because you don't want to lose. What Jeremy means is you don't want to give in to them because then what they're learning is, hey, if I just fight long enough, I'll get my way. Dad'll give in. Mom will give in if I just fight long enough. You don't want to teach them that. All right, now, once, you've, once they begin to come to you regularly at home, then you can call on them in public. Then you can start saying in the grocery store, at Walmart or whatever, uh, come, come here, Joey, come here, wh whoever. And now they're going, you can expect them to come. In public, you might wonder, what do I do if in public they don't obey me? In public, you can, you can do actually something very similar. You, you call them, and if they don't come, you walk directly over to them, keep eye contact, and you know, change your face so that they know what's going on. Get kind of the scowl, the, the, this isn't good. Walk over to them, and what you can do in public, because you're probably, you don't, you, you don't want to spank them or something like that in public, you can still bring them really close to you so they're right in front of you, and you can give them a little pinch on their arm, on their inner arm, or on their inner thigh, wherever you're comfortable with it. Or even just hold their, their arms and squeeze firmly. It doesn't have to be anything hard so that they know something's going on. And you say, Daddy said, come here. And you can, you can do that in public so that they know, okay, I can't get away with it just because other people are around. Um, and this is the, the kind of secret service way to discipline your kids in public. You're... You, when you give them the pinch, they're going to cry. Well, nobody else knows why they're crying because you, you're just you're up in there and you just give them the little pinch. Nobody else knows what's going on. So then when they cry, what do you do? You give them a hug and everyone thinks you're such a good parent because you're hugging your poor little kid. So they don't need it. It's not really their business. They don't need to know what's going on, but you're doing it in a way that's discreet. You're not making a big scene in the middle of the grocery store or something. It's very discreet. You're not being a disruption, but the child is learning to, to obey, to take seriously what you say. What a blessing to have a child that you can depend on to come when called. Uh, what, a, what a blessing to know that when they're running towards the street and you see the car coming down the street, that when you say, stop, come here, they're going to obey. 
a huge blessing. And it is, uh, there's probably, uh, there's probably, there's few things that are as stressful and agonizing as a child who won't come to you and you've got to chase after them. I mean, that just is like pull your hair out. It is so frustrating. Work on it at home and then they'll be able to do it in public. All right, uh, next, uh, number 5E. For your child to sit silently on your lap through the church service. Now, this is probably the more most, eh, I don't know, they're all pretty controversial, but this is one of the ones that's pretty controversial. Um, Because our general expectation of children is that maybe five, six, seven, they'll be able to sit through the service. That seems to be in, in general in public. Our expectations are somewhere there. Um, I, I'm, I'm telling you, two, two is totally reasonable to shoot for. You, you can do two, and that's not pressing it. That's not crazy. Uh, when do you start? You can start working on this around their first birthday. You can start earlier if you believe your child's capable of these things. You can start later if you don't think they're yet ready for it. And there is no law that you have to have them trained by two years old. This is something achievable. You decide if you want to shoot for it. So begin working on it around their first birthday. It will take a few months to potentially a full year to train them. Okay, So this is a long one. This takes a while to, to train them. Now, I say a few months. The uh, I had one child took one week. In one week. I took him out the first week, gave him a spanking, but he was making a noise in the service. And ever since that day, he is not fussed in service. I I was shocked. I mean, don't expect that. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so it, it, it does not have to be a long time, but you're going in this for the long haul. This isn't going to be one of those quick ones, okay? Praise God if it is, but don't expect it to be. All right, how to train them. First, practice at home before you begin at church. Please, please don't try for the first time keeping your kid in church, and you've never done it at home. It's, I mean, you're, that's kind of a recipe for a disaster. Try it at home first, okay? Uh, and I've separated the two because they're going to be a little bit different. So let's look first at what to do at home, Okay. So start with something that's easy. Put them on your lap for story time. That's usually not a struggle. Usually they'll sit still with you for a while during story time. And then after the story's done, keep them on your lap for a few minutes. So don't let them get down. No, you're going to stay here. You're going to sit on daddy's lap. Time to hold still. They're going to start to squirm after a while. And then just hold them firmly in your lap. If they're flailing with their arms, you can just hold their two arms in, your, in their lap and, and say in their ear, no, time to hold still. It's time to hold still. The words are very important. You're, you're, you're repeating yourself a lot so that what's sinking into their ears is time to hold still means something. And they're connecting what they're doing with what you've said. So you keep them in your lap and say uh, firmly, time to hold still. Now, probably pretty quickly, they're going to begin a real struggle. They'll start, start to cry. They'll try to get down. 
And here's what you do, just real simply, is you use your off hand, that's my left hand, but if you're left-handed, use your right. Use your off hand to hold their hands still. And then with your, with your uh, strong hand, you can hold their body against your chest so that they're nice and constrained. Comfortably, they're in no danger, you're not hurting them, you're not doing anything wrong, you're just constraining them. But if you use both hands, it's, it's a more, it's, it's less uh, um, uh, violent, if you will. You're just, you're restraining them. They're struggling against you, but you're basically just holding them there, okay? Then, with your uh, mouth, you whisper in their ear the same thing. No, it's time to hold still. Now, I'd say, first time you do it, set a timer for about five minutes, maybe even less. I mean, you could, you could do a minute. They probably will make it, and it won't be much of a, progress, but you start whatever you're comfortable with, something easy, something just long enough that they're going to struggle. And you, that whole five minutes, you're telling them, it's time to hold still. No, be quiet. No, hold still. You're talking to them the whole time so that they're learning what your words mean. When they begin to cry, and we're gonna, I'm going to have a little overlap because teaching them how to stop crying is the next one. But uh, when they begin to cry, you, where is your offhand? You've got, kind of got to picture this if you're ever going to do it. You, they're in your lap. Where's your offhand? It's holding their hands in their lap so that they're not flailing, hitting you, whatever. You're holding their hands down. Then with your strong hand, you can put your hand over their mouth. Okay. Now that's the scary part. Because usually when you see someone putting their hand over someone else's mouth, it's like very violent, very bad, scary. What are we doing with our kids? When they're screaming, when do you scream? On the inhale or the exhale? Always on the exhale. So what the kids do is they work themselves up into kind of a fever. It's... Well, guess what you can do without restricting airflow at all? You can put your hand over their mouth while they're exhaling and screaming. And then you feel it as they finish their scream. Guess what they can't do anymore? They're out of breath, so they can't keep screaming. Then you take your hand off and they go, Okay. Now, it, it, I get, like, especially moms are probably going to have a hard time. It, it looks violent. It looks harsh. It looks mean. You're, you're not, the only thing you're doing to them is preventing them from screaming. You're letting them breathe normally, and you can time it amazingly well so that you don't hear the scream at all, and they get all the breath they need. Now, when you take your hand off, there'll come a time when they actually, you can tell they're going to not scream. They're going to pull it together. And then you leave your hand off. And then you right away in their ear, you're praising them. Good job. That's good. Way to go. You're, you're not screaming. Good job being quiet. That's wonderful. And you're praising them so that they have that kind of instant feedback that what I just did was a good thing. Okay? So, uh, they begin to scream, you cover their mouth while they're screaming, and there's two things it does. Not only does it prevent them from screaming, but it also allows them to hear what you say. 
Because if they're screaming, they can't even hear what you're saying because their voice drowns out your voice. So by covering their mouth, they're now able to hear what you're telling them, which is important. Now, we'll get into this later, but basically, children, when they can't hear themselves scream, there's no gratification in the screaming. Now, they'll try for maybe several minutes of doing that, but they're going to give up eventually, okay? Uh, let's see. So what's your goal in doing that? It's not to cause them to stop breathing. <laughs> Don't do that. You're, all you're restricting is their scream, not their breath, okay? Uh, all right. Good. Okay. So that's what you're doing at home. Once they get five minutes down, maybe the next day try five minutes again. And maybe they're gonna get through that five minutes and they're done and there's no screaming and you're praising them. Once they've got it, then you move on. Say six minutes, say 10 minutes, whatever you want to shoot for. Um, it's, it's up to you. And then as they get that, once eventually you're gonna get up to about 20 minutes. And I would, I would put somewhere in the 20-minute range, once they can sit still for 20 minutes at home, it's probably pretty safe to start trying at church. And the reason is, at home, there's nothing going on. And so 20 minutes is just miserable. I mean, they're not playing with anything. They're not doing anything. If they can do that, you're probably going to get a little bit of a bonus of about you know, 10, 20 minutes at church because there's all these funny-looking people all over the place. And, and, and there's this guy up front who's talking, and that just makes it a little easier for them. So once you've got about 20 minutes home at home, you can start trying it at church. Now, it's up to you. You can start. You can wait until they can go the full 40, 45 minutes at home. Uh, whatever you're comfortable with, but I'd guess about half the service, if they can do that at home, it, it might be worth starting to try. Um, but here's the important part. Once you move to the next step of training them at church, you don't want to go back. Don't retreat. So be sure that you're ready to, to fight that battle before you bring them into the service and try to get them uh, to hold still. It's one thing to bring them in, and they're not going to make it, and so you decide, I'm going to take them to nursery, or I'm going to you know, take them outside. That's one thing. Once you tell them it's time to hold still, and you instruct them to be quiet, now you cannot lose that battle. Because if you do, they believe, I can fight this guy, I can win. Okay? Now, they're not thinking that, but that's somehow in their emotions, that is what's going on. So make sure you're ready. You don't want to back down after you've started. So then training them at church. Once they're at that 20, 30 minutes, whatever, at home, then you can bring them to church. Now, we reserve the back rows for uh, you know, parents with kids and the elderly for the easy, quick exit. Um, you, you don't have to sit in the back row, but I would highly recommend that you sit towards the back when you're training them because if you're sitting up front and your child loses it unexpectedly, you thought they were going to do better, they didn't, what do you have to do to get them out? You've got to get up. Who sees you when you're in the front? Everyone sees you. Who hears you when you're in the front? Everyone hears you, and they hear you the whole way back. So it, just as a courtesy to everyone else, if you sit in the back, they get up, 
you're out of there. You're, I'm sorry. They make a fuss or scene. They're not calming down. You're out of there. You can do it quickly without being a distraction to everyone around you. You feel better because you're not like mortified that you walked, you know, the whole course in front of everyone, the gauntlet, <laughs> the, the church exiting gauntlet. Uh, you avoid that. So take a seat in the back row or near the back. And you're going to be doing the exact same thing that you did at home with a couple of exceptions. Biggest one is Pastor Jeremy's the timer. That's tough because sometimes it's 40 minutes, sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 55. You don't know exactly when it's going to be, but that's okay. But here's, here's the thing. Be gracious be gracious with your children. If they make it 40 minutes and Pastor Jeremy's going long, Maybe you might even decide, you know what, I'm just going to take them out before they start to cry so that I don't have to discipline them because I'm so encouraged by how well they've done. You make that call, but because of that, there's that flexibility. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing. You're going to need to cover their mouth a little bit earlier. At home, if they're making some fussy noises and stuff, you're not that worried. It's the crying that you're really going to try to stop. In church, if they're just talking, making babbling noises or whatever, that's going to be a distraction in the middle of the sermon. And so because of that, you're, you're going to probably want to start doing that a little bit earlier. If they respond and they get it and they stop their talking, wonderful oftentimes that leads to them escalating, and so you're going to need to be ready to get them out. So what do I do if they start to cry? Well, uh, you, you're going to take them out of the service. Okay, I'll start with this option. You're going to take them out of the service and keep your, keep your hand over their mouth. It's amazing. A kid can be screaming at like all his power, and it's, when it's muffled, how it's amazing how quiet that can be but you take them out when they begin their screaming and the the key element here is that you make their life miserable when you have to take them out of the service now i know that that sounds harsh okay but he, he, here's the other option the other option is when my kid screams and fusses in church i take them out and they get a fun playtime Oh, snap. Don't do that because now what do they want to do when they come into church? They want to scream and fuss and get taken out because they get the fun playtime in the cry room. So it's very hard to do, but I think it's a right thing to do. When you take them out, you just want to make their life miserable. So pull up a chair in the foyer, in the cry room, in the fireside room, in the hallway, down in the basement, wherever you want, wherever you're comfortable. Discipline them in whatever way you feel comfortable. Uh, so, you know, you could take them into the bathroom and you flush the toilet and you give them a whack and nobody knows what's going on. Uh, if you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. You can take them out to your car and do that, or you can just give them a little pinch, whatever you're comfortable with. But the rest of the service, they're holding still and you're restraining them the whole time, even more than you would in church. Why? So that they learn the last thing I want to do is be taken out. And what you'll find is that you'll do after the, uh, one or two or three times, they now 
are going to pitch a bigger fit when you start to take them out because they know what's coming. That's a good sign. Uh, don't be discouraged if they're screaming bloody murder when you take them out because they know what's coming and you're, you're training them. You want to be in church. You want to make it through this service. You do not want to leave this place. This is your sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> You're safe in here. <laughs> You're toast outside. Okay. All right. Uh, take them out. Make their life miserable. Okay, good. All right, now, uh, I say find a chair. It doesn't really, at that point, you've just conceded, I'm not going to hear today's message. Uh, b- bummer, that's the cost of discipleship this morning. <laughs> I'm going to train them, I'm going to miss the message, but I will accomplish this. I will train my child today. He'll make it through. Yes, and we do have a podcast. Not quite the same as being here, but that's the cost. Okay, then you take them outside and you continue to train them. Don't just do that. Based on how they did in the service, you're going to know how much more you need to work on it at home during the week. I really strongly encourage you, don't say, well, let's see how they do next week. Say, let's see how do they do tomorrow. Or even, let's see how they do this afternoon after naps. Because the sooner you come back to it, the, the quicker they remember it and the more likely they are to not forget what they've learned. So let that be a, a sign to redouble your efforts back at home. Even with all of that, it's still going to take a couple of months to, to a year to do this, most likely. Okay? All right. Uh, okay, that's, yeah. 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 Well, and who, who, who knows how to hold still says, man, I wish I didn't know how to hold still. <laughs> Everyone benefits from it. I mean, most of us have jobs where we have to sit still all day. So this is a huge blessing to them. And like I said at the beginning, this is in their RAM. This, they will not remember this. They will just do it instinctively. What a gift we can give them. Mary. Yeah. Good. That's great. I think I know the answer you're going to give. Would doing this and training the child to sit still while, say, you're watching TV count? Uh, well, yes and no. There, there's this very limited sense in which, yes, but I don't know if you noticed this, but you don't have to train your child to sit still in front of a TV. <laughs> so if it's like the news... If it's some boring show, you know, that they really don't want to watch, it could. But in general, it is freaky to watch a one-year-old see a TV and just, I mean, it's like, whoa, it just accessed their brain directly. That's creepy. So because of that mesmerizing aspect of the television, in general, probably not. 
yeah, reading a book for a few minutes to give them the idea, hey, we're going to sit still and whatever. That's a good place to start. Okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to finish the last point. Next week, we're going to get to the church's role in parenting. And then if I finish that early, we'll start our questions. But most likely, I'm, I'll take next time on the church, and then the following time, we will do a Q&A. Um, so I talked to Jeremy. He said that was okay if we went over a week um, just to make sure we get through this. Okay, so let's nail this last one, and then we'll be done for the day. Uh, six, F, for your child to be able to stop themselves from crying aloud. When to start this? And I say crying aloud. I often will say, when we, when we spank our children, we don't let them cry. And most people think, what? Why, why can't they cry? Like, it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. Why, can't you, why don't you let them cry? All I mean is crying out. So if they have tears in their eyes, that's no problem. It's you're not screaming. You're not crying out. That's what we're talking about. By the time they're two, they should be close to being able to stop themselves from crying out when they're hurt or when they're getting disciplined. Uh, when to start? You can start this w uh, roughly at the same time you're starting training them to sit still. The overlap here is once you expect your child to sit still in your lap, they're inevitably going to cry and so you you're kind of forced to start working on them to not cry. So you're going to begin these around the same time. Okay. Um, how long will this take? This will, this will take a, a few months probably. Okay. Um, uh, oh, you know what? I skipped why it matters. Why train your children to sit through the church service? Well, you've got the points there. I think they speak for themselves close enough. Okay, and I mentioned some of them. All right, how to train them to, to not cry out, to not uh, scream. All right, uh, this is an inescapable part of you training them to hold still. We know that. So you're probably going to make some progress naturally. You're going to use the same method that I, that I outlined above. They're going to be in your, your uh, lap or... If they're not in your lap, you can turn them around so you're both facing in the same direction. You can hold their hands with your off hand, and then you have access to their mouth with your strong hand. Okay, good. Now, so follow that same basic pattern. Once they can consistently stop themselves from screaming with your help, with your hand, you can begin to train them to control themselves. Okay, so let me make that clear because that wasn't very clear. Once you, with your hand, you can stop them from crying and they'll get control of themselves. They'll take some deep breaths. They'll, they'll stop the screaming. They'll stop fighting. Once you can get to that, then you can train them without putting your hand over their mouth to not cry out. Okay. All right. So whenever you begin to see that they're forcing themselves to cry, and I think we've all seen that when a kid's sitting there and nothing's wrong and they're kind of looking around the room and they're going to make themselves scream. You know, what are they choosing to do? They're choosing to scream. They're using their power to scream. Self-control means 
they can use their power to not scream. Okay? So once you know that, then if they don't immediately make an effort to stop that crying, then you bring them over to you. Uh, you can grab their hand and you can give it a swat. Okay? So here's, the, here's a picture just so you can kind of see it in your mind. I'm take, I take a child into the room. They're going to be disciplined for something that they did. And I give them the, their, their, their spanking. And they begin to control themselves. Great, no problem. If they begin to scream and pitch a fit and they're running around the room, ah! that's when you bring them over to your side and you say, stop. And then you give them a swat on their hand. Now, what are they going to do as soon as you give them a swat on their hand? They're going to scream again. And so, if you need to, put your hand over their mouth and say, if you don't stop, you're going to get two more spankings. Then you let go of them and you let them try it on their own. And if they don't begin to control themselves, then you give them two more swats on their hand. And then you tell them again, if you don't stop, you're going to get four spankings. Okay, and what what they'll do is they'll they'll realize I better do this, and on their own, without you holding their your hand over their mouth, on their own they will give up. They'll stop and they'll control themselves from crying. And as soon as they make an effort to stop themselves, even if it's not perfect, go give them love, hugs, and kisses. And that is so good. You did such a good job of of stopping. That's great. Then, once this happens, once they can stop themselves from crying, then you can discipline them. And before you discipline them, you tell them, do not cry. I'm going to give you one spanking. If you cry, I'm going to give you two. And what you, you know, you don't say that every time you give them a spanking. It's just part of the training. Then you give them one spanking. And if they do it, that was so good and you give them hugs, and you give them love, if they cry out, then you say, okay, now I'm going to have to give you two spankings. And then you give them the two spankings, and you continue that process until they learn to receive the discipline without screaming. Now, uh, hold on. This, why are we doing this? This teaches them self-control. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you felt like you were in hysterics? You couldn't get control of yourself. I, uh, I don't know how common that is, but it's one of the worst feelings that you can have because you literally feel like you can't stop yourself. You're helping your children learn how to control themselves so that they're not powerless, they're not helpless. When, when we uh, were on Kauai, Jonathan fell off of our balcony and landed on his back and head. And I was at work and Amy called me and said, come home right now. Jonathan fell off the balcony and I, I rode my bike to work. So I'm riding it back. It was only a five minute ride, but I'm just, my legs are shaking. I'm, you know, scared. Jonathan's going to die. I don't, I don't know what's happening. And I got home and here's Jonathan surrounded by this, you know, all the EMT guys in his, there's like a, a pool of blood behind his head and he's screaming in a, in a helpless, pathetic way. 
just out of control. So the doctor's having a hard time getting a pulse and all of this. And I came up to him and I said, John, John, stop. All done. Be quiet. And he took a deep breath and he stopped. How old was he? 18 months then? 20? 23 something. Two and a half. Okay. <laughs> was he really? Okay. That's for another time. But I, re I remember he's obviously in pain. He's not doing anything wrong by crying. I'm not disciplining him for crying, but I'm helping him control himself because what happens to his heart rate as he stops his crying? He calms down. He has control, and now the, the doctors can help, not literally doctors, but the people helping him, they can help him. They can figure out what's going on. Now he's calm. He's collected. Peace is restored. And you know, just like the, the, the guy with the life preserver, You've got to stop your flailing and trust this life preserver. And that allows him to calm down. So it teaches them self-control. And also, it makes future discipline much less painful. You, you all know when you give your child a swat and you know they're going to pitch a fit, you don't want to give them that spanking. So cut that off at the root you know that the discipline's gonna be a pleasant thing because they're not gonna scream anymore. So you're not scared to give them discipline because you don't have time for this nonsense. Cancel all of that. If you train them to control themselves, it's not a big hassle, it's not a big pain, and you can be diligent in your discipline. Uh, one question. Some of the wisdom in starting so young with the, with the sitting still and, and being quiet, especially for moms, is someday this you know, one-year-old boy is going to be a three-, four-year-old boy, and he's going to be a lot stronger and a lot larger. And so if you start when they're young, when it doesn't take much to restrain them, then you're not hurting them. But once yeah. they get to an older age, you really, in order to restrain them, might actually start to, you know, to hurt them in order to feel like you've got control over the situation. So if you start young, when they're impressionable and, and it's not too much to, like you said, you're, you're really just letting them fight against um, uh, themselves. It's, it's, it doesn't hurt. You're it's a lot not, easier. You're, you're, you're not getting as stressed out and, and it's like, whoa, you know, this is more difficult than it's worth sort of thing. And you, you, yeah. you gain that. Yeah. Let me just say last, lastly, as I say these, I know that some of these things are very challenging, uh, maybe even shocking. These are, these are for you to consider. Nobody is saying you must do these things or you have to do these things. I'm just telling you these are achievable things. You consider what you want to do. You consider with the wisdom God's given you what you as, as dad, as mom, want to do with your children. You implement what you want. You might take some of this. You might leave others. That's fine. This isn't law. This is just what you can do. You consider what you think is best. Last word, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the challenge of parenting. 
We thank you for the way that you have instructed us as our Father. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. Give us one mind as, as we look at these things. Uh, not that we would all be the same and make all the same choices, but that we would have the same uh, basic goals that we would want to instill in our children. And we ask that you would help us to encourage one another, uh, not to demand that everyone does it the same way, but that we would encourage each other as each of us in our own ways strives after Christ and it makes the choices uh, that they believe are best for their child and will bring you the most glory and honor. That's why we seek these things in Christ's name. Amen.